Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. An important update in the Charles McVitie story. Plus, we'll talk to the mayor of Vaughan. What's the messaging for those of us living in the lockdown area about coming north to go shopping? Plus, why I fear we will never get the truth about the tragedy in Kawartha Lakes. Let's get to it. We are at a tipping point in this province. The pandemic as it has done all across the world, is amplifying divisions. In a time of crisis, a society and a community is only as strong as it can be as its weakest link. So therefore, we need to find ways that we can pull together. And I don't know about you, but the Ontario I want to live in, the Ontario that I believe in, is one of inclusion, of one where not a single religion or one single race or one single worldview is allowed to dominate and to be elevated above the others. That is the Ontario I believe in. Which is why I will continue to talk about Charles McVitie until finally there is some semblance of sense from this provincial government. There are new developments today in the Charles McVitie story. And this is so important to us all because do we want a society where we amplify the voices of those who believe in intolerance and division? To bring you up to speed on what's going on, Charles McVitie is a Christian evangelist. He is the president of the Canada Christian College, which is in Whitby. I talk about this a lot, and recently I I mistakenly said it was in Oshawa, and a kind listener wrote to me and said, thank you for continuing to talk about this. I live in Oshawa. Please do not associate that with us. So it's in Whitby. Canada Christian College is in Whitby. And Bill 213... This is the provincial government's bill that is an omnibus bill about pandemic response and red tape. Right in there, what it says is that Canada Christian College should be allowed to grant degrees, for example, in science. And Charles McVitie, the president of this college, is an ally of Doug Ford. In fact, Doug Ford used Canada Christian College, its offices, in his campaign to become the leader of the progressive conservatives, a contest he won narrowly with the support of Charles McVitie. And now, here in a bill, will proclaim Canada Christian College the ability to give out Degrees. Now, the government says there's an independent process looking at it first, and it will not enact this legislation into law until the independent process determines whether or not Mr. McVitie's school qualifies to be able to grant degrees. For example, in things like science, you can get, if this goes through, you'll be able to get a Bachelor of Science from a university whose president believes that the world, the planet, is only 6,000 years old. Government says, independent process, we're not going to not do a thing about it until the process is done. We're not going to proclaim this law, which apparently has got a whole bunch of stuff in it that you know other sectors need, but we're not going to proclaim it into law until this independent process is finished. 
Which doesn't answer the question, what in the world is it doing in here in the first place? Why didn't you wait for the process to finish and then put it in? Today at Queen's Park, the beginning of committee. Now, the way this works is that the bill has already passed first reading and second reading. That means it now goes to committee, and there can be all kinds of deputants come. People come forward and speak to the bill, and then eventually it will go back for third reading. The government can call it. It has a majority. It can pass it at any time. Really, it is in the government's hands. But the committee is underway. The committee work is underway today. And joining me on the line now is Paul Segill, who is the vice chair of the 519. The 519 is a city of Toronto agency that advocates for LGBTQ community. And this afternoon, Paul will be among the deputants at Queen's Park, virtually, I might add. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me, Alan. What are you going to tell the committee today? Well, the main request for the 519 uh, is to excise Schedule 2 from Bill 213. As you described, Bill 213 is an omnibus bill. It's about uh, protecting Ontarians and making uh, improving small businesses here in Ontario. And, uh, and accrediting Canada Christian College has nothing to do with either purpose of the bill. In fact, all it does is actually make Ontarians less safer by promoting hate. And that's what we're going to tell the committee. This has um, nothing to do with protecting Ontarians or the, 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 the interests of uh, people in this province. What do you make of the government's contention that this is a, an independent process, uh, therefore nothing to see here, they are not tipping the scales towards Mr. McVitie or Canada Christian College? Well, that's exactly the irony of it. There is a process for accreditation, and so having this legislation tabled before that process has even completed makes no sense. And in fact, uh, by putting through this legislation and trying to ram it through committee what they will actually do is circumvent that process. So they're frankly talking out of both sides of their mouth by by hiding behind what isn't what should be an independent process and then trying to fast track this bill through the legislature. Paul, I've spoken a little bit about uh, Charles McVitie, uh, perhaps from the 519's perspective. Uh, how do you see Mr. McVitie? Uh, and if you could sort of describe his views as you understand them. Well, the reports about um, McVitie's history with the Premier and McVitie's own um, hatred, Islamophobia, homophobia are well documented. It's been reported in multiple media outlets and um, reported uh, certainly by by your broadcast and um, comments by the former Premier Kathleen Wynne in the legislature. There's a long history of this. And the 519 stands with um, the LGBTQ2S plus communities here in Toronto. That is our purpose and that is our mission is to uh, protect uh, those vulnerable communities and to stand up against hatred against our communities. I have personal experience in this fight because I was involved in a very similar fight uh, for an intervener against Trinity Western University, a very similar institution to Canada Christian College that also promoted hate through its policies and practices. Let me, I hate the term devil's advocate because frankly I don't believe in the devil, so just let me just say I'm going to argue the other side of this here for a second. We have freedom of speech, we have freedom of expression. Mr. McVitie's views may be offensive to you, but he has every right to hold them. And he has every right to make an application that his school be granted degree-granting powers. How would you react to that? 
sorry, and I want to focus, and this is why I brought up the Trinity Western University example. So while Mr. McVitie has his rights to expound on his beliefs, he also does not, and neither does Canada Christian College, have a right to accreditation. Accreditation by the government is a public interest issue that we are perfectly entitled to put conditions on. And in fact, the Supreme Court of Canada placed those very conditions in the case of Trinity Western University. It said that the regulating bodies have every obligation to consider the public interest when they're granting accreditation towards these so-called educational institutions. And one of those public interest principles is about inclusion, is about protecting vulnerable members of society, and making sure that education is a public good that is available to the public without discriminatory principles. And so if you are going to have an admissions policy, if you're going to have practices in your university that effectively keep people out, you're keeping people out of a public good, and you have no right to be accredited by the government. That's a powerful argument, and I suspect it is one that you will be making this afternoon. I believe you're up at uh, 1 o'clock. How does this work? You're just going to dial in as like a Zoom call for this, for the committee meeting today? Yes, the, um, the Standing Committee on Government Affairs has uh, provided us with a link. Um, myself, as the vice chair of the 519, and my colleague Pam Rick, who is the chair of the 519, will be speaking um, at 1 o'clock. Um, there is a live, live stream of the webcast um, available on the Ontario Legislative Assembly website. Best of luck this afternoon. I can tell you that the National Council of Canadian Muslims made its deputation earlier today. The National Council of Canadian Muslims has uh, also sent a letter to the Premier urging him to divorce himself from Charles McVitie and to back away from this schedule. Paul, thank you for coming on, uh, and we'll continue to stay on top of this developing story. Alan, thank you for covering this important issue for Ontarians. Thank you. So that happens today. The other thing that's happening today at 3 o'clock in front of that same committee, Canada Christian College actually will be speaking to the committee. And we'll stay on top of that. And, of course, there's a lot going on today, so there's a lot to keep our eye on. But this is so vital. It is so important. Not only from what Paul had to say, obviously he articulated, I think, the public interest, the greater public interest in this. You do not have to be a member of a marginalized community that would be impacted by Mr. McVitie's viewpoints to be concerned about this. Charles McVitie, we have discovered in the past little while, not only provided Doug Ford space for his campaign, it is also turned out that Mr. McVitie, his school, which already degrants some kind of, I believe it's a diploma in Christian psychotherapy, and that that is not recognized already by the governing body that looks into that kind of thing. Mr. McVitie himself often declares himself to be a doctor, Dr. McVitie, and it turns out that his doctorate comes from a school in California that is not accredited and recognized. And it turns out, through reporting from the Toronto Star, my colleague Martin Red Kahn has reported on this, that Charles McVitie and his son have taken large 
interest-free loans from Canada Christian College. And here we have the province of Ontario, the government of this province, with a piece of legislation that would elevate Charles McVitie. I will not stop talking about it until it is out of here and gone. And even then, even then, the question and the stench will be remaining behind why. Why is it in this bill? I just got a great email from Trent, who listened to my last segment where I was talking about a certain Christian learning institution uh, out there in Whitby. Uh, And Trent pointed out to me that he's been listening to the program and uh, notes that I will not say the name of that barbecue dump in Etobicoke. Yeah, yeah, barbecue dump. That's the name for it now. I won't say it because I'm not giving the guy any free publicity. And Trent points out that I just did about 12 and a half minutes ranting uh, saying the name of this Christian uh, learning center <laughs> and giving it that free publicity. And so that if I'm going to apply the, one, the rule to one, i got to apply it to the other. So I guess... All right. Well, thank you. Uh, And if you want to send me an email, of course, you always can at alan, A-L-A-N, dot carter at globalnews.ca. Tell me what's on your mind. I'm always interested in listening to you. I may not agree with you, but I'll listen. So listen up. Listen up, because the numbers are terrible. 1,855 today. Now, don't freak out about the case numbers, as I say, day in and day out. But here's a number that is always sobering. Another 20 deaths in the province of Ontario in the last 24 hours. And I just think you should just let that sink in a moment, especially... To those of you out there, and I know that you're listening, I can hear, you know, I know, I hear you. Those of you who say, oh, this is just a flu, what are you talking about? No, it shouldn't. What do you do? This is, this is madness. We can't shut things down. 20 people died in the province of Ontario in the past 24 hours. That's not even close to being a single-day record. I believe it was 35 the day before. Oh, these people are going to die anyway. Listen to yourself. Is that who you want to be? I know you're angry. I know you're upset. We're all upset. We all want to go shopping, don't we? I, mean, I want to go to the mall. I, I want to go get myself a flat screen TV. I don't need one, but I feel the urge. And you flip on the news channel, and there they are lined around the block up there in Vaughn Mills. And you think, well, <laughs> What am I doing down here in Toronto? Down down here in Toronto. Like a chump. You know, ordering things for pickup. I'm I'm getting in the car. You know. Heading up there, get I'll get in line. Well, what are you doing up there? You going shopping today? Here's the numbers, by the way. Here's your breakdown on your uh, public health units. Your PHUs. Uh, You got your Peel leading the way again, 517, last 24 hours, positive cases. Toronto, not far behind, at 494. Now, those are your two areas that are in lockdown, right? 
Here's York, 189. Obviously not in the same category, but if you are living in Vaughn right now, if you happen to make your home in Newmarket and you're seeing cars coming into your neighborhood, heading to the mall, what do you think? You think that 189 is going to stay? By the way, Halton's numbers were up sharply again today. Now, they're not in the same kind of category as Toronto or Peel, which are in lockdown. But I'll tell you this. The modeling numbers yesterday, when our good doctor, Dr. Williams, he said that today various uh, public health units, PHUs, are going to move into different color categories. Uh, nobody's going to go into a lockdown, so no worries for York or Durham or anywhere else actually going into gray in the lockdown, but you might end up in, you know, in a red category where you haven't been one before. So there may be more restrictions coming. Let's we'll have to find that out at the DOFO show this afternoon. Here's a question I have for you, though. You going shopping? Is that what you're going to do? I mean, it's Black Friday, right? That's what we're all thinking about. And isn't this funny? I watch this. This is so weird to me. This whole Black Friday thing, there has been a really significant change in the coverage. I'd say in the last four to five years, you know, pretty much in Canada, there used to be, you know, we do stories here at Global News about Black Friday, and we would do stories about why is it that we're, why is it that we're having this big shopping day that's got absolutely nothing to do with our calendar, right? I I don't know about you. Wasn't a stat holiday for me yesterday. I'm not getting a special long weekend, right? I had to come to work, so you probably did too. But now the the kind of coverage about Black Friday is like, well, it's the biggest shopping day of the year. Like, what? What? Since when? Why? Why are we doing this? Of course, we can't help ourselves. Hey, listen, I think we got on the line right here. Mayor um, Maurizio Bavalaka from Vaughan is on the line. Uh, hey, welcome, Mayor. Good afternoon. Uh, what's going on? I'm seeing the uh, lineups outside of uh, some of the malls in your area. How many people from Toronto and Peel do you think are coming your way to go shopping? Well, if they're coming, like every other citizen in this country and indeed the world, uh, I'm sure that they are going to be following the rules and regulations that uh, we've been talking about for months during this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, I think uh, today is really a test uh, to see uh, what, what we have learned. And uh, I'm very confident that uh, the businesses and indeed the, the citizens uh, are going to pass this test because uh, what I've seen uh, over the past few months, uh, and, and you've probably witnessed the same thing, um, this is the first time in a generation, a uh, couple of generations, I would say, look at all these masks that people are, are wearing. Uh, people overall uh, are very responsible, and uh, I, I'm very pleased by the, the personal responsibility uh, manifested here in the city of Vaughan. I, I didn't hear you say to people from Toronto uh, and Peel, don't come. I didn't hear that. Well, they, I'm sure they do. Uh, they do and they will because that's human nature. You uh, you go to where... Isn't that your advice, though? Don't come. Aren't you, are, are you, you're on the radio. There's a lot of ears 
in Toronto Appeal right now. What's your message? Oh, well, no, my, my, my message is a very strong message about personal responsibility. And whether you're in Toronto or outside of Toronto, uh, what is paramount is to exercise common sense and intelligence. Everybody by now knows the, the rules and regulations. Everybody by now understands the severity uh, of COVID-19. Uh, this is a, a virus that has taken human lives. This is a virus that has brought the global economy to its knees. Uh, I think people by now understand the severity of it, and I'm very confident because I do believe in people. I do believe in their common sense. They, they will act accordingly. I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to agree with you, but I'm sure you've seen the scenes outside of that uh, barbecue dump in Etobicoke, too. Yes, yeah. but I don't, I, don't, I don't define a society by the exceptions. Uh, I define a society by what the vast, vast majority of people have been doing. And uh, there is no question about the fact that we were caught off guard at the beginning of uh, COVID-19. People didn't really know how to react or what it was all about. Uh, But I can tell you that there's ample evidence that people here in this country have been uh, extremely responsible and they should be applauded by uh, really uh, expressing in a very real way uh, the the great nature of Canadians. And that is that we are law-abiding citizens who, who... do the very best uh, to to deal with the common good and public good. And uh, I've seen it uh, everywhere I go. Of course, there are going to be people that are going to uh, not adhere to uh, the rules and regulations. That is the reason why during COVID-19, we've issued 178 violations of tickets with fines in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the reality is we must stop uh, defining our uh, community in our country by the exceptions what we need to do is applaud canadians for their incredible discipline and uh, expressing the very best of what canadian citizenship is truly all about and who are we we're caring compassionate individuals who care about one another and each other's community and that is the reason why i say that if people from toronto and peel are coming to the city of vaughan what i do expect from them is to be responsible and act accordingly Big news this week, of course, was the Auditor General's report on Ontario's response. From your perspective, from what you see, do you believe that public health is leading Ontario's response to COVID-19? I think that, you know, there's going to be many reports coming out uh, that are going to be critical of uh, how COVID-19 has been handled. Uh, But overall, we have to put our situation and compare it and contrast it to what is going on globally. And I can tell you that when I look at the, our frontline workers, when I look at government, and may I add, if you don't mind, including the incredible great public service that the media is doing throughout this pandemic, uh, the media has been on top of its game providing opportunities to get our message out. That is why I believe that Canadians are well-educated on COVID-19 and its impact. Uh, That is the reason why I do think that a well-informed public has reduced the impact of COVID-19 on our population. And when you compare it to other countries, and we don't need to go very far, we know the the story of what's going on in the United States of America. Uh, We are obviously not pleased, and I'm not here to compare countries who's doing what, the only thing I really care about is that uh, we are, uh, during uh, the, uh, this uh, pandemic, we are demonstrating that the Canadian spirit of cooperation, mutual respect, is alive and well. 
Mayor Bavalacqua, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, and stay safe. That is Mayor Maurizio Bavalacqua of Vaughan. I gave the mayor an opportunity to say what his message was to those who live in the gray lockdown areas, like me. I gave him the opportunity to say, don't come. Don't come shopping. But the message was somewhat different. Move on to the absolute tragedy that occurred in Kawartha Lakes yesterday. As you know, a young infant, an infant, young infant, pardon me, a child was killed in an incident, an altercation with police. And I want to read for, for to you, this is from, directly from the release from the Special Investigations Unit. Now, as you may know, anytime that there's any kind of interaction between police and civilians that result in injury to a civilian, in this case we have a a dead child and also a man gravely injured and also a police officer with very serious injuries. Anytime there's anything like that, the Special Investigations Unit, which is a civilian agency, it's an oversight agency, it basically uh, polices the police. And it is civilians, it's, it's not police investigating police, it's civilians. But there have been you know, many, many complaints about the SIU, and I'll get into that in just a second. But I want to tell you what the SIU has now reported about what happened in Kawartha Lakes. And keep in mind that it, because of the legislation, police cannot say anything once the SIU invokes its mandate. The SIU is in, in charge. That means all communication at this point only comes from the SIU. Here's what happened in Kawartha Lakes. At about 8.45 uh, yesterday, the OPP were made aware that a father had abducted his son from the municipality of Trent Lakes. A short time later... The OPP located a vehicle of interest, a pickup truck, in the city of Kawartha Lakes on Sturgeon Road. Officers attempted to stop the truck. On Pigeon Lake Road, the truck became involved in a collision with an OPP cruiser and a civilian vehicle. At that time, an OPP officer was standing outside of the cruiser. He sustained serious injuries. An interaction ensued between the 33-year-old driver and officers, and three officers discharged their firearms. The man was struck and airlifted to hospital in grave condition. Inside the pickup truck was a one-year-old boy. He had sustained a gunshot wound and was pronounced deceased at the scene. Those are the facts as we know them from the Special Investigations Unit. If you read between the lines there, what that, what that says is that there was a car accident, an officer was struck, and three, three officers fired their weapons. This does not say anywhere here, anywhere, that there is evidence that the 33-year-old driver of the vehicle was armed. Was the officer in question in grave danger and it required this response? We do not know that. And I do not prejudge. I will tell you that Thomas Creek, who is the head of the OPP, has tweeted, as a result of a tragic incident, one child is dead, two others are significantly injured, I ask that the SIU be given time to investigate without speculation on the events as they unfolded. 
I will grant that. And I think we should all grant that. We weren't there. We don't know what happened. But I tell you what, I don't think we ever will. We will never know what actually happened. And here's why. It's because the Special Investigations Unit does not have the power, the teeth, the authority, the mandate to do its job correctly. And here I will read for you another press release from the Special Investigations Unit which illustrates my point more perfectly than I could even just express it if I was to tell you. Here it is. On February 2nd of 2020, officers, this is a police, this is an SIU release now. This is a release from the Special Investigations Unit. February 2nd, and I'll paraphrase some of it for brevity. Officers arrive at a home in Richmond Hill. Police had reason to believe that the residence was being used to confine the victim of a kidnapping who was being held for ransom. Upon entering the home, the hostage was located. Two individuals were arrested. In the course of his arrest, a 28-year-old man, now listen to this, a 28-year-old man sustained multiple facial fractures and a fractured spine. The director of the SIU has reasonable grounds to believe that excessive force was used, but is unable to attribute said force to any one or more identifiable officers. As such, there's no basis for proceeding with charges in this case. Did you get that? Cops go into a home. In course of arresting a guy, they break his face and his spine. The blue line closes, and the SIU can't figure out who was doing what. Who who did this to this guy? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't see a thing. You were there. I don't know. As it stands, the SIU can only invite what's called subject officers. That's basically anybody they're investigating. So right now, in this case, in Kawartha Lakes, you have three subject officers. The three officers who discharged their firearms. They are now under investigation by the Special Investigations Unit. But the SIU can't even compel those officers to participate in the process or submit notes On top of that, they have these things called witness officers, like if you were there and you saw it, you know, if you take that, you know, subject, that witness officer and say, you know what, we're going to investigate you, then the SIU has to return all of their notes. The SIU is utterly broken, and we have on our hands a tragedy with a, a child getting shot by police. And I do not, I will back it up, I do not prejudge what happened. I wasn't there, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I can tell you what the SIU says happened. There was a car accident, an officer was injured, and three, three police officers fired their weapons, and a young child is dead. And I don't think we will ever know Certainly not in a timely fashion. Forget that. I'll be talking about this in nine months. I'll bring it up when we actually get a report from the SIU. But I fear we will never know what happened. 
whatever happened in Quarth Lakes. All right, I got to tell you about this thing real quick. Um, lefties are playing video games. Have you ever just um, opened up a a headline or read something and thought, I don't even understand any of this? You may have heard. Here's the headline that you might just go, I don't understand. It the headline is uh, Jugmeet Singh and AOC to play Among Us on Twitch tonight. And you're like, is any of that English? I mean, Jugmeet Singh, okay, I got it. That's, you know, the leader of the federal NDP. Got so far, so good. AOC, okay, yeah, the congressional leader, uh, you know, left-wing congressional leader in the United States. Yes, yes, I got I, I got that. That is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, Twitch. What? What? What is what is that? Well, that is a uh, streaming service where you can watch other people play video games. You can do that. You can do you can do that. It's a live stream and it's a big, big deal. You know, there's a. I think it is on Twitch. I'm gonna hopefully believe that it's on Twitch. Now I'm gonna have to back that. Yeah, there it is. It is on Twitch. Just confirming that. It is a. It's a gaming platform where you watch other people play video games, and you think that is insane. Well, it, hold on, because there are many that believe that actually viewing people playing games may someday supersede the value of actual sports leagues. Could happen. You got to be kidding I know. me. All right, hold on. Now what? Now, so now you're now you're up to speed. You know who the people are. You know uh, what they're on. Now what is among us? What is that? So uh, the only reason I know this is because I have teenagers, and they explained it to me and invited me to play. So it is an online game, and most people play it on their devices, like on a mobile device. And you download it, and what it is is it's you know kind of a lo-fi graphics thing. You play with other people, uh, and it's uh, set on a spaceship, and you're a character, and everybody else is all different characters, and except one randomly is chosen as, I believe it's the killer. I don't know the names of it anyways. So one person is the killer, and the object, of the the game is the group has to try and figure out who the killer is before the killer manages to kill everybody. And this, you know, results in people getting together, having meetings and accusing each other. And it's, you know, it's a good time. Uh, I'm terrible at it, but it's a good time. But there, ladies and gentlemen, for you, for your edification, now you know what in the world that headline was about. Sing an AOC to play Among Us on, twi- on Twitch. See? Now you understand. It's a public service I provide. It's another public service I provide. It's hosting the evening news on Global, beginning at 5.30. Simulcast here on this radio station at 6. And then I'm back again at noon on Monday. Stay safe. Stay safe. And see you Monday. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to join me weekdays starting at noon.